0: Aloha, Wahine Collective listeners. Welcome back to the second episode of our Title IX Women's Athletic Series. I'm your host, Sophia, and for today's episode, we'll be unpacking mental health within our athletes, how they overcome them, and the different types of support that's available for them. We are blessed to have two wonderful guests. We have Kelly He, a licensed therapist working with athletes, and Lynn Nakagawa, the Assistant Director for Athletic Training and Student Athletes Wellbeing. Thank you both so much for joining us today. To start us off, I'd like to just ask you a quick short break icebreaker. If you could have any superpower in the world, what would it, what would it be
1: and why? Um, I think mine would probably be being able to swim or being able to breathe underwater. So I could maybe spend more time with, like, the fish and the turtles and everything as much as I can spend on land with, you know, humans and stuff like that, too.
0: So cool. Mm-hmm. We, now we have an animal lover in the house. <laughs> Already, yes. <Okay. laughs> How about you, Ooh, I don't know. That's
2: a tough one to follow. I'm not really sure it's a superpower, but I think just I wish I could be able to not need sleep, right? So you would have more time in the day to work or spend time with friends and family, but... And, I don't know, I'm someone that needs my sleep
0: and sometimes I feel like it's wasted time. That's such a great point. I mean, we sleep one third of our life away. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Um, If I I could personally have a superpower, it would be to have transportation powers (laughs) because I love to travel and girl, the the airports right now are not it <laughs> as you know mm-hmm.
2: and every flight's at least five hours <laughs> exactly
0: exactly um i wanted to ask you both about that superpower because it just seems to me like having a healthy mind a healthy well-being is such a superpower na- nowadays you know considering the amount of people that's struggling with mental health related problems mm-hmm. um, brought by not just the pandemic, but the current times that we live in. That being said, uh, please share with us, what are some common mental health problems that your athletes are facing today, You know, from homesickness, maybe cultural differences for athletes coming from different parts of the world, different states, or even navigating relationships. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can start us off, Lynn. Yeah,
2: um, I think you hit some of the main ones. You know, I mean, these are kids that are going through a huge change in their lives, right? 18 to 22 year olds moving away from home. Um, So yeah, I mean, we do see the homesickness, and for some of them, it's the first time being out on their own. You know, so managing, you know, the the sports and you know, some for some of them doing laundry for the first time themselves. So for you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on them, and so yeah, we do see the homesickness, um, the depression, anxiety. you know, and, and like you said, the relationships and just the cultural adjustment, but even just the adjustment to college life. So I think it's just seeing these young kids go through things, a ch- time of change for them. And so just how they handle it. And, you know, some people that manifest in, you know, something like depression or anxiety and other people just, they can, they, they are able to handle it. So it's just, you just see different situations in a lot of different students.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think something really unique about college and um, kids living on their own for the first time is whatever they had before, it's kind of like magnified. So like Lynn was saying, like laundry. Well, before they had their parents to do their laundry for the most part. Now it's like, oh, the stress of that seems so much bigger. And so, you know, Hawaii being so um, like special of a place, you do get people from international, you know, uh, other countries, and they've come here not only for the first time living on their own, but now they're trying to figure out transportation and all of these things. So I think the stress and the anxiety, it might've already been there, but it was well managed or helped by others. And then it just gets like kind of expanded when they get here just so naturally. Um, So that's definitely something I think that we see pretty often.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Hawaii is just like a creole of different cultures and and people. Um, can you share a little bit about that the cultural differences that you see in your athletes? Like, where do they usually come from?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. All over. I mean, I think that's what's awesome, like amazing about Hawaii is we, you know, other colleges they might have people from the East Coast, the West Coast, you know, but here it's not just the United States; it's worldwide, you know. And so it's it's fun to see some of our teams are definitely more international. Um, so we have kids you know, from Asia, from Japan. Um, we've had, you know, some from South Africa. And, and so it's just, it's just so fun this, to be able to meet, you know, these kids from different cultures, you know, for it's, it's kind of sad. Some of them speak seven languages, right? And I only speak English. Um, but, you know, and some of them know more about American history than I do. Like, it's just amazing to, and the different foods, you know, they're coming to Hawaii for the first time. And I mean, for, you know, for some people from the mainland, maybe sushi is exotic, but to these international kids, I mean, McDonald's might be exotic, you know, so it's just, it's just so fun, it's every aspect of their, their lives is so different and, you know, I feel like I get to learn as much from them as maybe they're learning, you know, while they're here too, so it's, it's fun.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, so yeah, I went to school in, t- in uh, California, where I'm from, and so we had so many people, like, on the sports teams who were just from California, so like, it wasn't really too new of an experience, it, instead of just a new town for a lot of people, Um, But what's really cool about Hawaii is because it's such an amazing place, you know, you've got teams like the water polo team, which has like, you know, over 10 international uh, students on it. Swimming has a lot. It's just, I mean, men's volleyball, there's so many, uh, it's such like a plethora of new cultures and um, it's really cool and also must be really difficult for them for the first time too.
0: I know, I mean, I think we both we came from a different um, state coming here so it's it's an adjustment mm-hmm. but it's nice to see them all mingle together mm-hmm. the ones that are here and the ones that come from different places I
2: mean it's funny because I was born and raised here and then mm-hmm. I lived away on the mainland for you know over 10 years and so coming back honestly it was an adjustment for me to kind of get back to it so i think it's you know it's it's it is just so unique to everyone
1: mm-hmm. totally
0: Yeah, that's one of the beauties of Hawaii, (laughs) I believe so. Um, Next, what's the standard of behavior for athletes and how does that influence their mental health?
2: Um, You know, athletes, I always envision them as being just such high achievers, right? They're so um, self-motivated and they're just so wanting to succeed. And so I think sometimes that, that makes them so successful and helps them to get to where they are today. But I think that also kind of puts, they put a lot of pressure on themselves. Um, and so I think that's kind of the biggest challenge, you know, when to get to where they are as a division one athlete, they typically were the best on their youth teams. They typically were the best in high school and now everyone was the best, you know? And so now it's, you know, you always hear the saying where they were the big fish and now they're the little fish in the big pond, you know? And so just, I think that's a lot of their, um, kind of their stress that they experience. And, and, you know, and I think that's kind of what leads, like how Kelly mentioned about things being magnified, you know, it, just, it is just the stress, the anxiety, the pressure they put on themselves does get magnified. And so I think that's kind of what I see the most. Mm-hmm.
1: Totally, yeah, to kind of just piggyback on that, even as youth athletes, or as youth, we're um, kind of, we're set up where we're supposed to be full-time students. But when you start to get these elite athletes, they are full-time students plus part-time athletes, and so their schedule is already building. And for most of them, like Lynn said, like they're high achieving, and so not only are they full-time students, part-time athletes, but also part-time extra like overachievers. And so you're starting to see this kind of like natural formation of that structure and that pressure that becomes really normal to a lot of athletes, um, but it is. It can be a natural setup, too, because you get high, 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 and then it's hard to not start to kind of go down that that hill eventually. Um, But it I think that very similar to what Lynn said, like, it's probably one of their best superpowers, but can also be one of like the hardest things, too, if it's not used in the right direction, that overachieving and that stress
2: and that pressure.
0: That's a great point were, were, did you both play a sport when you were in um, college or high school yeah so
2: I mean I played growing I played soccer growing up um, and I played one year in college and for me I something had to go I knew I wasn't going to be a professional athlete mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. I wanted to focus on school and so that's why you know I, I so I, I see it right I could not I knew I couldn't I was playing Division three soccer I knew I couldn't handle the, the pressures of school and sport and so for me sport was a thing I gave up and That's why athletic training is awesome because it keeps me in sport and it makes me feel so connected to that you know that part of my life that kind of disappeared for a little bit
0: did you also play any sports when you were i
1: played soccer too yeah and (laughs) yeah but and i felt that i was actually a very structured individual going into college and when i got to college i had no idea how much more it took um so i played three years but just struggled almost out the door, not knowing like, oh, I have to do my own laundry or I have to figure out how to um, make my schedule where it works for me. Like these things that seem very small because you've done them all through high school and you were this like really motivated person, exactly like Lynn said, like compared to all your friends, you get there and the expectation is just kind of a, a little bit higher. And you don't have all those people telling you, like your parents or friends reminding you like, hey, we gotta go here, we gotta go here. And it was a really hard transition for me it was really difficult it was very surprising because i thought I was a big fish at the (laughs) time and then i realized i'm barely swimming like this is hard it's really difficult so yeah
0: thank you for sharing that it i i really appreciate that you both experience what your athletes are experiencing because in order to really help them we have to empathize empathize and know the kind of struggles but i think that's also
2: what like draws us to our profession you know mm-hmm. I think, you know seeing knowing what we've been through and I, I knew I wanted to kind of do something medical and so you know athletic training was that great balance of being able to help student athletes you know in, in all aspects of their lives and so I think that's what kind of drew us to kind of what we do now
1: totally yeah I totally agree with that too I wasn't smart enough to do anything medical <laughs> medical so I'm glad that I found my niche here and I can I can be a part of it the overall health and wellness right nice yeah. nice
0: <laughs> it's okay, I, I could not do medical. <laughs> um, next question How do athletes navigate popularity and the pressure to perform um, from the public?
1: This, I, I think, is a really interesting question. Just on the topic of Title IX and women, I think there's a difference between female athlete popularity and male athlete popularity, unfortunately. Um, and we have, you know, some female athletes that, you know, like they went to the WNBA, they, you know, they've performed at all these Olympic levels and all of this stuff. But I think the difference will always be there for now, at least, is there with gender, unfortunately. and that's just something I'm not sure, Lynn. If you if you agree or disagree yeah, or what you and, think,
2: because I mean, you kind of see it when you look in the stands, right? When and not to be stereotypical, but a lot of our women's sports, the fans in the stands are the kids that look up to them, which is amazing that they can now have these uh, female role models, you know. Whereas I think in some of the bigger profile men's sports, you see everything from the kids to the aunties, the uncles, you know, and, and so it is. It's a different, um, just a different crowd you see between the women and men and and um, like kelly said it is a little unfortunate but i think our women enjoy that you know Mm -hmm. they love they love the little kids coming up to them afterwards to be for their autographs and because you know they they are that opportunity to be that role model Mm -hmm. and so i think our women student athletes just love it um but what's interesting is you know they also are what 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 we see on the competition field is different from what we see so you know sometimes on the competition or you know on the court on the field or whatever you see these strong confident women um, you know but when you peel it back and you know they're they vulnerable selves with you in the locker room you know, it's it's completely different, you know, and it's a, it's kind of like they put on their superhero when they go out and perform, and so you know, I think that's something that is important for us to remember that they they are 18 to 22 year olds, you know, mm-hmm. and so they they do an amazing job of balancing that that uh, public persona versus, but you know, I think that's something Kelly and I get to see is kind of that you know that that vulnerable side, mm-hmm. and so you know, it it is a lot of pressure for our student athletes, even if it's less people in the stands, you know, um, it it. It's two different people, I say sometimes, you know, what you see out there and what they really, you know, what they're dealing with internally.
1: Yeah, and I would even say, like, some of it is by choice. Like, yes, you know me because I play the sport, but I know, you know, we've had people who, especially women, who said, they know me because I'm the six foot something female. Like, of course I play these sports. And so not all of the popularity is always by choice by them, or not all of the attention, we could call it too um so i think that's kind of a unique thing where i imagine you know um a six four male would be like yeah i play sports and some of the females are like yes thank you for asking (laughs) again i play sports (laughs) you know so it is probably really difficult to navigate when it's not um, always wanted or asked for too
2: yeah just that that concept that when they're seen on campus, they're that student athlete, yeah. right? Sometimes they just want to be that college kid going to class, um, but everyone just associates them as that student athlete or you know that person they saw on TV. And I mean, we get it all the time going through airports, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, what sport do you play? You know, that's typically the first question. That's their identity. Um, so it, it can be good, but I think sometimes it is a little difficult for them to just always handle being on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know and it's it's something great about hawaii um but it is challenging i think you know just the notoriety and people recognize them yeah there they go so
1: i think that's such a good point the identity piece because that's what makes it so hard to transition out of your sport because everyone knows them oh you're the basketball player you're the soccer player you did this and it's kind of like at one day well who am i if i'm not that like do i still wear my sweats or do i still <laughs> wear these things and you know lynn and i we, We still associate, we are not totally parted with our identities, clearly. Um, But yeah, that, that piece in particular makes it really difficult, I think.
0: Wow, and it, to make it, I think even better or worse, Hawaii is such a small <laughs> island. Yeah. So if you do decide to go into another field that's not your sport, I feel like it takes a bigger toll because people just know you more. Like you, you. I mean, like UH is right there in in the in town, so I'm sure that these athletes could feel some eyes on them when they're in public. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing some of the struggles that our athletes are facing from mental health to the pressures to perform in the public. We'll be taking a quick short break and then we'll be coming back to share with you how we can support our athletes and how they can navigate the stress and mental health um, pressures that they might be facing. Okay. See you soon. Bye-bye. Big Mahalo to our friends at the Vaivai Vai Collective for hosting our space for this interview. Vaivai Vai Collective is a co-working space that embraces its Native Hawaiian cultural values and learning. They have two co-working space located in Moiliili and in downtown Honolulu. Go check them out at the Vaivai Vai Collective. So now we come back from our break. Thank you both so much for joining us. and sharing you know, the mental health struggles that our athletes are facing. Now let's go into possible solutions and how we as a community, as their um, therapist, as their coach, and maybe friends and families can best support them. As Title IX Division and women-centered, how do you support your athletes that are experiencing mental health problems?
1: You know, I think one of the big things is finding a community, um, finding a space, and especially with kind of the women centered in the Title IX, um, for them, for the athletes to know, like, they're they're not the only six foot one, you know, female in the room. Like, there's a whole collection of them. And so um, finding that community that they're naturally already navigated towards with their sport, like they're... You know they have a team but then they also have other teams you know within their community too and so i think one of the biggest things is um to have them know that that support is there um, as well as you know what i've noticed about uh is there's a lot of female staff too and so there's a lot of you know probably alumni and mentorship um opportunities as well in that so i think that might be a big thing for them
2: yeah um you know, I, I I think it's it's been a challenge for us, and just the support we provided our student athletes over the past you know three four years has changed because we're, we're mental health is being you know it's being magnified with the pandemic, and what we've done over these past four years you know I, it's changed, and I think we're trying to find what supports our student athletes best. Um, the first year was we were truly in the pandemic, and so we tried you know like a app based um, thing where our student athletes could text with the counselor um and you know some people like that but people just miss the face to face connections and so you know being able to get back in person um and kelly working with our student directly and so it's kind of just finding like the niche of what works best for each person some 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 student still may prefer the telehealth um but some want to be face to face you know with um the person they're working with so i think it, it's that's the thing is you know understanding that it's not a cookbook you know that's not there's no true recipe for what's going to work for mental health for every student athlete you know um the male sun athletes are very different from the females but even within the females you know some people want the hand holding they they need the structure um other people just want you to listen so i think that's that's the biggest thing for me to always remember is that there's no you know one solution that works best for everyone so just being able to kind of being open to listen and try to help guide them through and get them the resources they need and and just being supportive of them
1: yeah i think that's probably such a fantastic point because it's all about just access to care right you know being able to have access to the trainers to be able to talk to them because the trainers are usually the first line of defense like they get all this stuff and then they're able to be like how about you talk to this person how about you talk to this person and so then you know access to the coaches access to myself and so whether it's somebody who wants um a full you know 60 minute therapy session or like a 15 minute chat like to be able to provide access to all of that um that those kind of uh, scenarios with the athletes seems like that's like one of the main goals is just to provide that
2: we've talked about this the the stigma like Mm -hmm. it it is changing you know I think a few years ago it was like oh I don't want to go talk to that person like you know and and we were worried about coaches or their teammates knowing that they're seeking help and I just think even in these past few years like we've seen the difference where they are asking for the help you know I mean and and so that's been the awesome thing is the stigma is I feel like it is changing you know you hear it all the time about it's okay not to be okay Um, and I truly feel like we are turning the corner and and our student athletes are embracing it you know and just realizing they are not alone they're not the only person that may be struggling or need some help and so i that's that's something for me that makes it easier like like kelly said you're just getting them the resources where they want it you know and, and they just they're seeking that so
1: yeah it's so cool working with students like the 18 to 22 even older sometimes because this generation i mean i'm a millennial, and most millennials have all been in therapy at some point but this generation everyone's like normalized therapy they're cool with therapy they love therapy and so it's you don't feel like you're walking on as many eggshells with them too
0: that's awesome yes i think that's one big shift within my generation is like embracing therapy and people are unpacking all those like traumas that they're facing or just like things that happen Mm -hmm. in the Mm day-to-day and I, I don't know, I think that's such a progress, you know, a mental health progress yep. that we're seeing, and it didn't just sprout out of nowhere. I think it started with the generations before leading the examples for our generations to follow, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, how cool must it be for athletes to see, like, Simone Biles and all these people promoting their own mental health at the biggest stage? Like, it. so, it really, the examples do get set, and it's you know it's it's part of the uh the community aspect like okay she did it i can do it kind of idea Mm -hmm.
2: yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's almost normalized to you know where some people want to seek a nutrition other people want to seek a mental you know and so it it just it it honestly just becomes another piece of their overall well-being like it's not like that stigmatized like oh let me go secretly to this back room you know it's just yeah it's just something i need or you know the same as someone might be like oh i'm trying to gain some weight or you know I need a dietary plan it's it's just normalized that it's just another thing people are seeking out help for
0: yeah um do you see a difference in the ways that male athletes and um women athletes seek out help
1: I'm very curious what you see Lynn like for me I think I see sometimes yes and I would like to say oh males are more this way than others but maybe it's because most of them are athletes that they're all like vulnerable goal oriented like you know motivated and so oftentimes the parts where you would see some difference i, I see a lot of similarities now which is pretty cool to, to witness i don't mm-hmm. know what do you say
2: yeah i you know i think your initial thought is like oh yeah the women would need it more um but it is it is the and it might be a little bit different stressors or how their actual problems, but i I do think it is similar like they're they're all in the same boat of trying to balance school trying to balance the pressure of sport you know um, so I think yeah I, I, I agree it's there's more similarities than there are differences
0: for sure
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's wonderful yeah. yeah oh that's good to hear because I think from people that are not in the athletic world we would think oh one one gender is more like this or one gen- gender is more like that so it's nice to see that there's so much similarities that there're both experiencing and the need, the help and the need is the same.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you kind of think about it, one one of the first, more recent, um, like high-profile people that actually came um, to speak about mental health was a male. Like it was Michael Phelps when he actually started speaking about it before a lot of the females that came after him. And so I think that does kind of reflect, like, yeah, it's you know, it's pretty equal with who's who's needing help, who's asking for help in those kind of scenarios. Yeah, for sure.
0: Can, can you just share with us some overall um, self-care tips and work-life balance for our athletes?
2: So I kind of go back to that everyone's different, right? Some some, some student athletes are that get their plan around and they plan every minute of their day. Um, others kind of just make the to-do list and make sure they get through it. So I kind of go back to that, you know, it's, it's helping them find what works best for them. Um, you know, what what works for one person might not work for others, but just, and that's part of their discovery in their, you know, these 18 to 22-year-olds is finding what works for them and, and, and knowing that they're going to fail sometimes, and fa- it's okay, you know, I mean, just taking that, not failure, but, you know, if it's not what they, the outcome they want, you know, turning that into a learning opportunity. So I just think it's it's being supportive of our student-athletes and helping them find what's works for them and you know realize that it's not I'm not only talking about when they're in school but it's setting them up to be adults you know for the rest of their lives and and that's what's fun about I think working with the student athletes is they're so moldable you know and they they they're just still eager you know wanting to learn and and so as far as self-care tips you know I I'm always a person of just making sure to take time for themselves you know And, and like I always go back to everyone's different some people you know it's the introvert extrovert like For me, if I need my time, I'm going to go plop on the couch with my remote control and, you know, eat my chips and salsa and don't talk to anyone. And I don't want my phone with me. Um, But other people, you know, if they have a few hours, they want to go, you know, socialize with friends. And so just taking the time to do what, you know, reinvigorates yourself and what re-energizing you. But just making sure that you do take that time to do what you need to do. Yeah,
1: I, I totally agree with what Lynn's saying. You know, uh, the 18 to 22 age range is like the, ki- the time where we kind of get to know what we actually like. And oftentimes we get molded into what our teammates like or, you know, am I supposed to be social or am I supposed to be extroverted? And so uh, everyone's temperament is different. And so trying to help them, just like Lynn's saying, figure out what works for you, because there is bound to be the type A people. And then there's the type B people who are totally fine with getting that B and, you know, like just sleeping in a little bit extra and and both are perfectly fine. Um, And so I think that just individualized kind of focus and attention is really, really important for self-care. I think going back to that idea of like using their powers for good, like you have this group of individuals who, they're already so skilled, like they already know how to balance, you know, responsibilities, extra work, extra uh, pressure. And so just to remind them that this isn't something brand new that you need to learn. Like you already have this skill. It's just kind of moving it into a different department. So that's, I think, just to remind them like, hey, you've got this. Like you just, we need to refocus it for a second.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> you know said so sometimes when they talk about yeah I just want to be that college kid that just goes to class and but then when they're out of season sometimes they're like oh my gosh like I have so much free time I don't know what to do and then they actually become bored and you know and so it's funny like just sometimes what's causing your stress is actually what keeps them going and keeps them motivated and so I, I think it's just finding that balance of not too much but enough that you know it, it keeps them passionate and you know still so invigorated and so it's just finding that right balance for them
0: Yeah. well thank you both so much for sharing those really helpful um, self-care tips and it just it's wonderful that our athletes have the support from the staff and from a licensed therapist you know they are not alone if you do want to reach out for help the help is available for you and there are other means of help, I know, I, I went to UH Manoa, and there's so many different clubs, mm-hmm. so many different cultural um, meetups that you can go to, so for people that are feeling homesick, so that's just something I love personally about UH is that there are, it's so diverse and there are many means of outlets and support that's available for you as athletes and just as students too. Mm-hmm. So thank you Kelly and thank you Lynn for joining us on this, um, Second series episode. I enjoyed our conversation. Do you have anything that you'd like to share with us about the UH Manoa Athletic Department?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, just you know, the opportunity to celebrate um, the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see a lot more this fall. Um, just celebrating, you know, Title IX is important to everyone, but it has a special place in our heart here in Hawaii, um, especially with, you know, it being kind of Um, born with Patsy Mink and so just uh, we're excited there's been lots of planning you know in the works all year Um, so yeah just a lot more to come this fall
1: yeah. yeah, see me. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank you both. And just a reminder for all our listeners that the UH Women's Athletic Field Day will be on September 10th. This will be a perfect time to come and meet your favorite athletes or just get to know them. Um, more info will be updated in the Hawaii Athletics um, website, hawaiiathletics.com. So please go check it out. Thank you so much for listening and see you on our next episode. Bye bye.